Hey leaders, thanks for listening to our podcast. So whether you've had a great year and you're looking forward to that momentum taking you into next year, or you haven't had a great year and you're not exactly sure why, mapping out your direction for next year is super important. And obviously we call that strategic planning. Sometimes though, asking yourself the questions to reflect on what happened last year and then what you want to do next year can be really hard. So we created an assessment at compassleadership.coach called the Momentum Map. So if you just go to our website and look for the Momentum map button, you can click on that and get started right away, clarifying where you were last year and what you want to do next year. It's super simple and super easy and gets you moving in the direction that you need to go with clarity. We'll even send you a personalized plan to help you next quarter. So check out compassleadership.coach or click on the link in the description. And now on with the show. Hey everybody, it's Jeremy Yoder here with Real Construction Talk. Thanks for joining us today. I have a special guest with me today. Um, this is Matt Debara. And Matt, why don't you introduce yourself? What's going on, Jeremy? Thanks for having me. Sometimes I ask if I have permission to be real, but I think we're in good hands today. I think <laughs> yes. I can be unfiltered. So that's good. Let's go. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, look, my family's been in the business four generations. Uh, Great grandfathers, both of them came from Italy to America. Very much that blue collar American dream, you know, built built homes, both of them from the ground up. And my grandfather then took over the business, passed it to my father and uncle. And then, you know, I got my first pair of work boots when I was nine and, you know, started on the job real young and grew into the business and have been riding this wave ever since. That's awesome. It, you know, is, isn't it funny? I, I again, my parents um, grew up in the Amish Mennonite kind of faith, but that meant that they were always working together. And that was in my blood too. It's just something that gets in your blood about being a blue collar worker. I was uh, demoing a house the other day and I hadn't done it for, for a little while. And my son and I were just having a blast, man. I mean, by the end of the day, we were dead tired, but it was great. You know, it's just part of who we are. It's part of our heritage. So yeah, I love it. I love it. So um, how about your company specifically? How long have, have you been running your company now? Yeah, so the the, the journey, I, I grew up in the the business, essentially. Um, I, I had a good size role in the business, uh, weirdly enough, at a young age, 15, 16, I was running crews. And and that was because my dad was, a, was an old school in the sense that everything was pay-based or skill to pay-based. So he didn't care that I was 15. If I could lay brick, he's like, you will lay brick. Like it didn't, didn't matter. Um, so I took over the business. Uh, and then I got licensed when I was 18, um, on my own in, in, or excuse me, 19, I was in college and I got licensed because we had a disagreement about marketing. And he said, if you can do this better, go and do it yourself. So I ended up getting licensed and got into the, yeah, exactly. You imagine that. Wow. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. He was, he was great. He was, you know, in some ways a, a pain, right. You know, the family working together that mm -hmm. closeness, but it, oh. it made me, yeah, it was the best thing that ever happened. And and so, you know, 1920, I was licensed, had the business throughout college and then grew it, moved to the West coast and really expanded the company um, out in the West coast from really the ground up. So it's been a, it's been a journey, but yeah. Yeah. So when you started growing your company um, and got into 
and the place where you have to find good workers, because obviously you're doing the marketing side of things, uh, you're testing the waters there. And as you start to get jobs, you're not just wanting to do them yourself. You want to work more on the business and have to start hiring people. How did it work for you initially when you're trying to hire people? Well, I was okay at it. Um, and it was relative, right? The market was fairly easy. If you're going back now, I mean, seven, eight, nine years ago, I mean, things were fairly easy back then. You know, you could rely on Craigslist, ZipRecruiter, Indeed, a few people you knew. It was like, you know, so that was the first layer of the business. And and then we grew the sales and marketing side. Um, and it wasn't until about 2019, 2020 that I really kind of had our like that big, def- it, now looking back, it's that big defining moment where uh, I had, I think nine crews, I was doing two celebrity homes um, in LA. I was doing a big government project. It was the Veterans Memorial Cemetery. And my grandfather was a veteran. So it meant a lot to me. Um, we were doing a big stone project and like the company was, I mean, it was like, I had a moment where I was like, wow, my great grandfathers, if they could see where you know, we've taken this and yeah. gosh, I would say about three months after that, the whole thing almost came crashing down because I was just, I was outpacing hiring. Like our sales were exponentially growing and our hiring was at a standstill. And I was ignoring it because I thought you could just outsell any of the problems you have in business. I was like, if you have a contract and a signature, more money, can- no problems, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I was, I was really born out of the 2008 era. So like I was at the end of the yellow pages, right? So I saw the website websites and internet kind of phase in, right? That was like my my real understanding of the business. And then shortly after that was 2008. And I saw my dad's friends that were doing nine figures, you know, huge companies just vanish overnight. And so I always thought I was like, oh, businesses only die if they run out of work. Like that's the only problem you'll ever face. And so that was my, you know, a, a a strong benefit in a lot of ways, but it almost took me out. And that spawned a lot of what I've done in my business was that defining moment. Isn't it interesting? I think so many contractors are in the same mindset still, especially when you're in that even, you know, 500,000 to 1.5 ish area where if I could just make more money, I'm going to be great. I'm going to be great. And some of it's true, obviously, but it's not just making the more money or even the profit in there. It's the cash flow. And what's happening around that. And if you have too many commitments <laughs> and not a way to fulfill those commitments, people go somewhere else pretty quickly, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, the cash flow issue, thankfully, we did residential commercial and we had government and the residential cash flowed enough. So I I, I was fortunate to dodge that bullet. But I had people wow. that I know that, I mean, it was like they didn't understand, you know, profit versus they're like, what do you mean? I made all this money profit. It's like, yeah, but you know, it's sitting in your accounts receivable. So it's, it's profit on paper, but it's like, where's your cash? How are you making payroll next week? Those are two different. And it's three to six months out on a government contract, man, how are you going to swing that? Which, what's your credit look like? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, honestly. Um, yeah, totally. So what was your what was the pendulum swing there? Did you then just start hiring feverishly to kind of catch up? What happened? No, so we we uh what I mean, essentially yes, but what my team so I lost, I mean, I don't even know the exact number, but I had contract cancellations, liquidated damages, like it was just not a good time. I couldn't I literally couldn't fulfill in the, the work that I sold and I told myself, if I don't figure this out, I'll shut down the business. Like it was that moment of like Yep. You know, and then shortly after that, I found out my first daughter's on the way. So business is in turmoil. I lose seven figures in 
the span of about a month. And then I'm like, oh, and I'm having a baby. So, you know, life's, life's yeah. beautiful, my first daughter. So I was dead set on learning everything I could about hiring. And it brought me back to a mindset. I think this is important is, you know, I was very curious about the innovation and change in uh, the digital landscape. And I remember I almost wanted to like, I was so frustrated because I saw it happen. I saw the yellow pages kind of dry up. I saw websites, people start doing websites, the early adopters. I saw when enough people did websites, then it was like SEO. So your website ranked better Then lead gen platforms because websites were still like, and I saw all this stuff and I was so astute to these shifts and changes, but it was happening in the hiring space, right? It was getting a little bit harder each month to find people. It was like the yellow pages drying up, right? The writing was on the wall, but I didn't pay attention to it. So paying attention to those macro trends, I think in your business are really important. For me, I then set out to find what's the answer. And I couldn't find any one. I just wanted the magic bullet. I never, you know, real talk, right? So I'll give you yeah. something real here. I never set out to be a coach, a consultant, an educator. Like I wanted to solve my hiring issue and go make more money and grow my business. Like that was it. I became increasingly more frustrated when I would I was hiring consultants, I was going to seminars, I was studying tech and like and everyone was telling me to do something and then I would do it and it either wouldn't work, it would work a little bit and then it would stop working and you know the best example to round it all out, I was on a a, a speaking panel, we were speaking to roofing contractors and there were seven hiring experts. This is after I'd figured all, a lot of things out. And to my left was this kind of old school guy. And he's like, you know, the way to hire is you got to go to church and kiss babies. He's like, you got to, you, you need to be out there shaking hands essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. So microphone passes across me to my right. The female next to me, really smart woman. She's like, no, actually you need data, headline testing, analytics. Right. I paused, I grabbed the microphone and I said, you actually need to do both and it's dependent on your local market and the resistance wow. to find talent. Like it's all of those things. And we don't know hiring is like with marketing, you, there's certain principles, right? Like PPC or SEO, there's things you can do locally that more or less will, will likely work. Like if it's like, if it's working for companies across the board, hiring is so unique. It's like, you may find that if you, motivate and incentivize your team properly that that's the catalyst for how you make your next hire absolutely so, right you know there's all these different ways and we can get into some of them but it's it's the first thing i would say is is understanding at a high level that there's not necessarily a magic bullet that even the best companies are doing multiple things and trialing and erroring it it's just like marketing marketing is a test everything in marketing is you're trying to figure out what's really going to stick for your industry at the time that you're doing your marketing. Now, unfortunately, marketing is is a lot wider depending on what type of industry you're in. Like, you know, if you're doing something in a local area, like you're doing concrete in Ohio, let's say, oh, we've talked about Ohio a lot with my friends. Well, you're, you're focusing on a certain region and there are certain ways that people connect with you marketing-wise. So it's got to be the same thing when it comes to hiring people, I would assume. I, I mean, I hear that from other guys. So you're saying on to be aware macro level what's going on in the industry, but then probably a little bit more niche micro level what's going on in your region too. What are the trends? Yeah, I mean, when we when we built out the hiring course, when we were done, we we had counted up. We had 37 different ways to find candidates. Hmm. And so it wasn't, you know, like I had stuff that wow. my great grandfather passed down, you know, ways to to like recruiting cards that he used to have and like, you know, certain ways to approach people that you meet. And like, so 
what I found is as things get harder, as resources get more finite, right? The labor pool, here's a scary stat. 40%. Yeah, I was going to get to this. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing as far as yeah. the, the macroeconomical. It's scary. You know, what's going on. So 40% of the existing current workforce. Now, mind you, they say we're at a deficit of about 580, 600,000 workers right now. And I think that number's low, way low. But um, that's the stat right now from the Association of Builders and Contractors. So but th- there's another stat that scares me a lot more, which is roughly 40% of the construction wor- workforce is expected to retire in the next decade. Wow. And man, who's, who's retiring are those senior positions, those ones that have dedicated 15, 18, 20 years. And it's those lessons that you joke. It's like, you can't teach, you know, they, it's, they think it's not teachable because it took 12 years to learn. You know, you can teach it. You just need 10 years in the business. So, right. Right. Wow. Wow. So you're saying the opportunity <laughs> are for contractors, construction companies who want to lead the way into the next 10 years, or as we start to see these, uh, this trend become more apparent, because right now it's, it's out there, but it, we're really going to start feeling it soon. Like really going to start feeling it. Those companies that, that see the opportunity to grow workers now, and help them be educated in not just a trade and what they do, but maybe on a management level are really going to be ones that are going to see the best, most fruit. 100%. I think one way to, one way to solidify that and put real, real kind of hard data for, for listeners is a lot of companies, when, when I speak on a you know stage, I'll say, how many of you know what roughly you want to grow your business to, right? You have a growth goal right? Typically it's revenue, right? I want to grow 10%. I want to hit this number. Like what's you, you can almost ask anybody in construction and they'll have some definition of growth based on revenue. If they're doing 500 now, maybe they want to get to a million. If it's a million, maybe it's 1.5. The next question I ask is what is the org chart needed to sustain that revenue goal, right? So what is the organizational structure or more simply put, who do you need to support the revenue goal? That's right. That's right. And and we do this with businesses and it's so interesting because I think hiring is one of those things where it's like, it's, it's the slow and steady, uh, kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't knock you out. Like, like you mentioned earlier, like not paying attention to cash flow. It's like that one will hit you hard, you know, hiring creeps up on you. You know, it's like, it's like inches, it just kind of inches its way in if you're not focusing on hiring and, and, uh, and retention, but the org structure, like a lot of companies don't know. They're like, I'm going to get to a million and a half dollars this year from a million. Great. Well, do you have an org chart now? If you don't, it's easy to, you know, it's fairly easy to do or figure that out. Um, but the bigger question is, what's the org chart you need to support that revenue? And what is your plan to bring those people in? Because increasing revenue increases amount of tasks, amount of roles, responsibilities. So it's with most people with revenue goals, it's not that their goal is fruitless. It's not that they can't achieve it. It's that the mechanics are two parts. What's your strategy to grow top line? And then who do you need to support it? Exactly right. And then obviously all the other things wrapped around that in your your office, your supplies, all the things that you need to support that revenue idea. So if you're out there like you were selling and selling and selling and selling and selling, but not supporting the business underneath it, not working on your business, that's the old e-myth book. (laughs) You know, if you're not literally working on your business, the whole structure of it, you're doomed for failure. And, and man, we don't want to see that. 
you guys, if you can hear my heart in this, that's why we started Real Construction Talk. We want to see you guys succeed. So that's why I brought Matt on. I knew he was going to give me the real deal. And here we are talking about it. So thanks for that, Matt. Um, so when it comes to, I think this is real interesting. When it, when it comes to this idea of of not just hiring people, but I think the second part of this is is super important to retention, like closing the back door, as they say, like, what are some ways that you found maybe in your own company or you, as you're talking to other contractors out there, um, how, how do you close that back door and keep um, really good workers working for you? There's so many different specific, I guess you, if you will, tactics, but I think two universal truths that, that you can implement if you're not already one is, and especially for, you know, if you're doing 500,000 to two and a half, 3 million, like these things are just quick, easy, simple things. One is some form of, we, we created an honest employee audit. And so essentially what this is, is it's a one to 10 numbering scale uh -huh. and it focuses on the key questions, um, that, revolve around different areas of satisfaction in the workplace, right? Like you have pay, you have like, are you emotionally valued for your work, right? Do you feel appreciated, sure. um, satisfaction, you know, work-life balance, right? So it's all these key areas. And you'd be amazed at the number of companies we've, we've done this with as part of our process. And we'll, we'll roll this. It's, I mean, it's simple, right? It'd be 12, 15 questions. You click one to 10 or the team does and it's anonymous. It submits it, but we've had business owners that, have said, you know, look, I, I'm confident my team, because it's, when you're looking at hiring, it's how many people do you need to hire? And what's the risk that that number might increase? Meaning what's the risk people might leave? So we don't want to analyze that back door. Like you said, how big is that door? And you know, is it slightly open or wide open? So what we find is that a lot of business owners, I mean, we've seen satisfaction of pay, a three out of 10, a two out of 10 on average, and you're taking all the number of team members. And it's that they don't, feel like communication is open and valued. And when you're growing a business as somebody who can speak from making tons of mistakes, you don't always have the right proper channel set up. You might not have the right organization or communication structure. And so you're bound to make mistakes and getting ahead, or I don't even call them mistakes. I think of it as, you know, growth opportunities when you identify, mm -hmm. but right. when you identify this, you can get ahead of it. And we found a lot of companies by opening up this communication by anonymously auditing your team members and not relying on a manager, right? If you ask your manager, is our production, you know, is our field staff or, you know, techs or whatever industry you're in, do they feel good? That's one way, but it, there's a bridge that you want to, or a gap that you want to bridge and this helps do it. And, and you're, now we're getting to leadership. Here we go. This is, yeah. this is the stuff I love because what you're talking about here is the honest assessment and really transparency from the workforce to the management of the owner. And, and that gap is a lot wider than most owners think that it is. Yeah. Hey, I got an open door policy. Anybody can talk to me at any time. Right. Yes. Oh, no. Pro uh, everybody's having a great time. Everybody's good. Everything's good. Yeah. And out in the field, they're struggling and pissed off and have just like, you know, they're, they don't, they don't like their job. They don't like who they work for. They don't like, they don't like their foreman, you know, they don't like their crew. Yeah. Um, they really have these aspirations of wanting to be in leadership, but they've been there for three years and they have gotten no talking to about it. You know, all these things that lead to frustration so looking for another job, grass is greener somewhere else. And then they go. And you're like, ah, I had some good plans for that guy. 
Yeah. Well, and, yeah. Bummer. <laughs> and we, you know, it, it's shocking because we we do this for companies, right? Like we take on the hiring for businesses, and so when we do these interviews, I'm so intrigued by w- the reasons people leave. It's not usually, you know, it's 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 really a lot of little things. Like that communication is huge. Um, one thing we implemented that we've had, I don't know the number, but a ton of companies across the country take is early on with my business, I wanted to come up with a way where I could reward certain behaviors, right? And so we came up with this concept where we took uh, a spinning wheel and we made all these different prizes from like a, you know, $10, 11 Starbucks or whatever gift card up to like, I think for us, we did like a $200 Airbnb gift card. They could go away as a family or whatever. I don't remember that, like all the different prizes, but so, and the way we did it is once a, once a month, we would do an early morning team breakfast. Everyone goes there. And throughout that month, if they did something good, like great review from a client, you know, left the job early to go help another crew, uh, it, all these different things, right? Finish the job ahead of schedule. We would give these poker chips out that were company branded. And so they'd redeem the spin essentially. And it was so cool because it, it allowed for like celebration, right? It allowed for community. It brought everyone together. Um, but there was a really interesting thing that happened. So when we originally made the prizes, we sent out a poll to the team. And we calculated like budget, how many, what we were doing. And when we were done, we had one square left, right? So, or one triangle left. And we made a joke and we said, all right, no value because we already made budgets, but what is one thing you guys would want that's silly, guys and gals? And one person said a rubber chicken. So I was like, sure, we'll do a rubber chicken as like a funny thing for one of the squares. So lo and behold, about three, four months later, I would get, if I wasn't at these meetings, I would get a recording of it. They would set up a camera and I'd be able to see, uh, I just wanted to see the reaction and happiness of the team. Like we were rolling this out. It was in kind of like a beta for us at this time. And I remember I was listening with headphones and I heard squeak, 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 squeak. And I thought something was wrong with my speakers. And I look at the recording and I pull it up and I had at the time, I think nine or 10 crews and I had nine foremen squeaking a rubber chicken, right? And (laughs) someone who didn't have it was walking up, he puts his chip down and they're going rubber chicken, rubber chicken. And I remember thinking, you know, there's $200 gift cards, there's $150, there's a $100 gas card. I'm like, and they want a $2 rubber chicken. And it reminded me of the importance of fun and excitement and community and culture in your company and on the job site. And it flipped, you know, flipped it. That's great because you get as gamifying that you just, you just put a little fun in their lives and something to look forward to. Yeah, it's just a goofy thing, but yeah, you're going to get something pretty cool. But I don't care about the money. I want the chicken. <laughs> or see if somebody else get it this time. I got it last time. Ha ha. <laughs> Those type of things. Yeah. It's, super great, man. You know, growing up in a family business, it reminded me of how important that it's like, I think fun is the ultimate. You think of like the, the they talk about, it's called the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It's like yeah, food, sure. water, like the essentials. Like, I think in business, when you get to a point where you're at fun, it's like you figured out all the other stuff, right? It's like, you're not firefighting. You're not like, oh, I don't have this person or oh, this job ran over. So I'm like, let's pretend maybe this all isn't perfect. But if I can start inserting fun and culture and some unique elements of me, maybe that'll help to bring these other elements, these needs together. And it was a really interesting experiment and it worked for us and it's worked for a lot of other companies. That's great. So business owner out there, get your money together get your management together, figure those things out (laughs) so that you can get to the place where you can have fun in your company and do extra special things for your crew, man, dinners, 
um, uh, get away. I mean, take your management team away, do the things that really lend to culture and building a good culture. And that's what will, like we're talking about, keep people on your team. So good, Matt. Man, I really appreciate you. Matt, where can people find you out on the web? Yeah, so the website's the contractor consultants, plural. So just Google that. You'll find us there. Pretty easy. Awesome, man. Well, everybody listen to the podcast, go check out Matt and the things that he does for leaders and contractors out in the business. So Matt, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate your time, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Guys, this is Jeremy with Real Construction Talk. Again, you can find us at compassleadership.coach. And um, thanks for listening to this one. And we'll be back soon. See you later.